Welcome to the Let the Stray Show, your one-stop destination for intriguing conversations with extraordinary individuals who are boldly navigating life outside the conventional norms. Our host, Scott Fullerton, is thrilled to embark on this journey of discovery with all of you. The Left a Straight Show, we believe that every person's story is unique, and it's our mission to showcase the diversity of human experiences. We bring you the untold stories of fascinating people who identify as LGBT plus and allies, pushing boundaries, breaking stereotypes, and making a positive impact in our communities. On this show, we bring you a diverse lineup of inspiring guests, from activists to artists, and entrepreneurs to entertainers, and everything in between. We dive deep into their personal journeys, discovering the pivotal moment that has shaped their lives and careers. You can expect thought-provoking discussions on a wide range of topics, from LGBTQ rights, social justice to arts, culture, mental health, and more. Our guests are change makers who share their insights, challenges, and triumphs, igniting conversation that promotes empathy, understanding, and love. So whether you're part of the LGBTQ community or an ally looking to expand your knowledge and show your support, the Left to Straight show is for you. Together, we can build bridges of understanding and acceptance, celebrating the beauty of what makes us all unique. So sit back, grab a drink, and get ready for the show. Well, hello, fabulous listeners, and welcome back. I am Scott Fullerton, your host, as always, here on the Left and Straight Show, your go-to podcast for news, entertainment, and fantastic interviews with celebrities and personalities from entertainment, foodies, books, music, and advocacy. All of our LGBTQ community and straight allies have enjoyed it all. I'm so glad to have you along today because I am thrilled to have an extraordinary guest with us, the sensational Adam Sanders is here, a.k.a. the beautiful, as you can see, and audacious Miss Ada Fox is on the show, a standout contestant from American Idol who transformed not only the series but himself after not making it past Hollywood Week just a few short seasons before. And now, not to be content just with Idol, he finished runner-up in the Queen of the Universe streaming on Paramount Plus right now. Ada Vox is not just a singer. She's a fierce and fabulous drag artist who's captured hearts with her astounding vocals and vibrant persona, as well as performing as Ada at events all over the world. Adam works with others in coaching and mentoring others to help reach their dreams and recently created their own troupe of performing the fantastic new LGBTQ resort, probably a title of the Queen, on the Strip in Las Vegas. Ada is also the newly crowned Miss Gay Sin City America. And if that's not enough, friends, I think we may be having a podcast soon with Vox Talks. There's so much to talk about, so let's get to it. And please welcome for the very first time to the Left of Straight Show, the extremely talented and absolutely gorgeous Miss Ada Fox. Ada, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you, Scott? Thank you for having me, darling. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for coming on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. As I said off air, I've been a fan forever, and you've just been doing such amazing things, taking your time from Idol and running with it and just running into the queendom that you totally deserve, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do my best to, you know, stay relevant. <laughs> there you go. Don't we all? I'm telling you. 
Well, let's start. I always start uh, asking uh, my Left of Straight Show versions two regular questions. Even though we know a lot of your background from different things you've done, let everyone know where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you growing up? Yeah, so I uh, am born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. And um, I don't know, in terms of the kind of kid I grew up, I don't think there's any difference from the way I was then to the way that I am now, except... um, Back then, I had never seen a drag queen, so of course I wasn't one. <laughs> so, um, and now I'm a lovely drag artist and professional vocalist. I'm essentially living the life now that I always dreamed of as a kid, um, and, you know, it. in terms of touring the world and getting to sing. So I guess as a kid, I was a dreamer, and um, I was just as crazy as I uh, am now then. <laughs> I love that. And second question I always ask is you're a proud part of the LGBTQ community. I think you I heard once you kind of identify more as pansexual. You're like me, very fluid and open to everything. Where do you kind of feel you first came out to yourself that way? And where do you think you found your LGBTQ community tribe? Well, I don't think I was ever in. Um, (laughs) What what was my kind of thing? I've always been the type of person, even as a young child, that was like, I am who I am. And you either like it or you don't. (laughs) And before we have terminology for things like gay lesbian bisexual pansexual in our in our minds as young children we are already developing our likenesses towards things and noticing things as we grow and um i've just always kind of enjoyed people you you know um and and it was never a ooh boys or ooh girls for me it was just kind of ooh people (laughs) so um that's just how i always have been and um i uh forgot what the rest of the question was that was pretty much it, except where do you think you kind of started finding your LGBTQ tribe, though? Mm. So I did live a very sheltered life. I did not know what drag was. I had never heard of an LGBTQ community or anything of the sort until after I was on American Idol the first time at 19 years old. Um, after that, I was invited to headline as part of my local hometown pride. And I said, what's pride? I had no idea it existed. I had no idea what was going on. But from that moment on, I was immersed in a community of wondrous people and wondrous things. And, um, I was greeted by, you know, a seven foot tall drag queen who (laughs) spoke to me with words. I had no idea what that girl was saying at that time, talking about, Hey fish, Hey, that I had, I was very sheltered. (laughs) So (laughs) it was all new to me. And I guess from then on, I guess my, um, certain members of my hometown community really helped me to feel, uh, accepted and loved and appreciated. So back home, I guess, was a good place. San Antonio Pride back when I was 19 years old. <laughs> That's wonderful. And let's start with talking about this incredible voice. I mean, all these reality shows love to have a slant. I remember them talking to you about being in the hospital for a while and your mom singing to you. But when did you kind of feel this voice and knew what the potential was with it? Or what did you hope the potential was? So I have always wanted to be a singer my entire life since I was a very, very young child. Uh, But I did, like I said, have that, um, as you mentioned, I'm sorry, have that epiphany as my mother would sing to me in the hospital when I was recovering from brain surgery. Uh, I was eight years old and I realized the power of music and how healing it could be. And for me, that was something 
as a young child that I was just discovering, you know, when my mom could sing to me and take me out of the physical pain that I was in and help me to feel something other than like an eight-year-old whose life had just changed, (laughs) you know? So from that moment on, I knew that I wanted to sing because it could make people feel better. And then when I, uh, so from then I started taking gigs, singing in the church choir, and I got started getting hired for things around 10, 11 years old to sing for like at wedding celebrations and at quinceaneras and church celebrations and, you know, little parties on the side and stuff. So that's when I got my start with the stage. And when I was about 13 or so, I had been watching American Idol since its inception when I was eight years old. And, um, I said, you know what, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. So I'd been pursuing it seriously and professionally since I was about 12, 13 years old. And, uh, and since then I just kind of constantly striven to improve and always grow and become the biggest version of me that I can be. And here we are, and we're still not where I need to get, but we're getting there. <laughs> it's a journey. All works, works in progress, that's for sure, sister. Oh, man. Well, and then talk about, I mean, you have this incredible range um, from the lower register up to the stratosphere. Did you ever take lessons or anything? Because that might have ruined it. Or did you, uh, have, have you ever been able to just kind of tone your voice yourself? I've never taken private lessons. I was a part of a local nonprofit youth music organization called the Network for Young Artists back in my hometown, which is where I started really getting my experience and exposure on stages. Like uh, with the program, once you, you audition essentially and test into their advanced performer program. And what that means is that you qualify to represent the program when they were, um, had stages at things like the Oyster Bake in San Antonio or Fiesta or, um, you know, the Strawberry Festival, different things that would go on locally. And you'd get to perform for hundreds, sometimes thousands of people on these stages, uh, representing this organization. And that's really where I got my taste for the stage itself. I am forever in debt to that organization and I still do um, work with them, help with them, talk to their students. I went back after I aged out of the program and even taught for a little bit. I uh, volunteer my time, my presence, my performance anytime I'm in town when they need me. I am currently working with uh, them as my fundraising platform for Miss Case in City America to help sponsor new students with their tuition as they go into the as they go into the program. And I also was part of a thing called Best of Both Worlds Vocal Studio later down the line. And it was essentially a group class where you go in with a bunch of other uh, singers and they just have you do you know ooh la la's and whatever you know vocal warm-ups and then you sing for the class and that was the extent of it um but I've never had private lessons I've just kind of been in those situations that allowed me to sing in front of others which I think was really beneficial in the long run that's amazing and good on you for giving back like that it's so important Uh, not every artist does a lot of them do but thank you so much for that that is fantastic 
Have you ever surprised yourself with your range? I mean, you've hit some notes, girl. Have you ever surprised yourself or uh, are you kind of, do you, do you spend your warm-up time kind of experimenting or how do you get to some of these stratospheric heights? I don't know if I'd call it surprising because it's something that I've worked on my entire life. I have um, a, vo a vocal cord condition called uh, infantile epiglottis, which means that I have very naturally tiny infantile vocal cords. So they're very tiny and they're very stretchy, which means my voice is very naturally feminine, youthful, and high-pitched. And uh, it makes it very easy for me to access certain parts of my register that other males may not be able to naturally. Um, so because of that condition, my voice has matured and gotten lower, but I also have never lost that upwards stretch and natural youthfulness to my vocal. So it's a double-edged sword because I get this um, really lovely range to play with, but at the same time, because my vocal cords are so tiny and stretchy, it also leaves me more at risk for things like vocal injury. So I work very, very hard to extend my reaches to the top and the bottom of my range and become as technically sound as I can within uh, my, my own studies as a vocalist, uh, reading books, re uh, studying other people, singing and uh, learning from others, asking questions on how to sing good, <laughs> how to sing well. As in this industry, so many people are afraid to ask questions in fear of judgment, but I ask questions in hopes of growing. So I don't think that's ever a bad thing. And I think it's done me well so far. And um, I can't say that I'm surprised because I've worked hard to hit every note that I've got. <laughs> there you go. And, and you have to live up. I mean, you have to admit to that. I mean, we have to take charge of our own power and know we're doing yeah. good. And but and I love the the part where you say we all have something else to learn. I mean, yeah, I'm quite a few years older than you, and I'm still learning every day from a lot of guests I have on the show and different things that I do. But I think when you stop learning, you stop growing, right? Absolutely. And there's never, never any reason to not continue to learn because there's never going to be a point where we know it all. Well said. <laughs> well, let's dive into the idle journey a little bit here. I mean, what you, your first time you said you're, you were relatively young and new at it. Uh, season 12, I think it was. What did you come away from that that made it a positive experience that you came back to do it again? And what, kind of was it was there any bad experience to the first time around so the first time I was 19 I had been singing professionally for a handful of years at that point but I was new to tv and mm. the thing was I was new to tv myself but had so many friends and other artists in the industry in San Antonio that had done those types of things before so I went in fairly well informed on how everything was going to go and I was a huge fan of the show huge fan of the show still am um been watching since season one it became like my lifelong journey get on the show you know when i was eight years old like i'm gonna do that one day and um i finally i started auditioning when i was 16 for season 10 and then i was 19 when i made it in season 12 everything was great it went exactly as i thought it was going to based on all the information i had gathered and um i can't say that there was any bad part of my experience I made friends then that I still talk to to this day and that was 11 years ago now 10 11 years ago 
And um, I would have made it a lot further, I will say, if I did not get sick on my very, very last day of the surprise Hollywood cuts. I literally Mm. lost my voice that morning. I woke up not able to speak, not able to anything. And I had to sing Celine Dion. So (laughs) if you can imagine how that went, it was not my best performance. Um, (laughs) And of course I was eliminated afterwards, but I was up to that point, still a very strong favorite, I think of production and the judges and the contestants were afraid of me as they should have been. Um, (laughs) But it was a very positive experience. And my goal was always at that point to say, I want to make sure that I leave with no regrets. And that's how I approach everything. And I got sick. I lost my voice. I don't think that was something within my control, but I knew that I wanted to go back and not have that happen. (laughs) And and just give it another go and see how far I could get. Um, And my goal was always get in front of America, you you know, and that, and I did that. Yeah, fingers crossed on the vocal health at all times, for sure. So now we're five seasons later into season 17. It's an entire new rebooting of the show. You have new judges. You have a new network. And so who knows what kind of network ABC is compared to Fox. And you decide to up the ante a little bit by creating this persona. And like you said, you had not really done drag before too much before this, right? This was kind of a new statement was the original goal to kind of do that shock value and kind of get the performance through and then maybe revert back to Adam or were you planning on going through as Ada the entire way? Yeah. So it was season 16 reboot on ABC. I um, saw that they were coming back at that point. um, After 15, they had said goodbye. That's the end of American Idol. And then they did this blackout and said, until we see you again or something like that. And we're like, oh, they're coming back. I still have a chance. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I had just started doing drag when I was 21. Um, The first time I stepped out and did drag was June 1st of 2015. And I was 21 years old. I had been doing drag, I think, about three years when it came out to American Idol time. And um, my thing was, I never doubted my talent. Neither did they. That was never a question. But we have to know with these TV shows, there's so much more to it than being a good singer. Especially if you've already been on. Then it says, well, what's different now? You know, and say, we already know you're good, but you already had your chance. So now I said, they already know I'm good. So now I need to give them something undeniable for television. And I had auditioned for the show a total, including that time, 13 times. Um, I've auditioned multiple times every single season that I had auditioned. And um, I said, if I go as Ada, I am going to make it. And I had to make sure mentally that I was ready for that because I knew what type of country we're living in at the time. Um, not, not to left or right anything, but it was, we were in the middle of Trump America. 
And it was, it's, it still is a scary place for people like me to come out and be in that type of public light. Um, like drag race is a totally different thing. Drag race is a show that's watched by under 1 million people per episode. And it's a niche audience. American Idol is a show that's watched by an average of 9 million people per episode, and it's not in front of that niche audience. So <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. So I had to make sure I was ready. And I went in ready. I came out ready. And I have not stopped since then. They treated me so wonderfully. Um, they were incredibly kind. Never made me feel like I was a token. I was always appreciated as a talent. And, um, I treated everyone kind because I'd been through it. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't nothing at all. So treat everyone with kindness. They treated me with kindness back. The production was so wonderful to me. And, uh, I'm very glad to still have friends in at the show and, um, to help even coach contestants that go through, um, totally independently, not affiliated with idol. But, um, I've been doing that since I was on back in season 12, I've been uh, doing that and I really, really love it. And I would not do that if I had a bad experience. So I'm glad. You should be. And you deserve all of it. I had Jim Veraros on last month, who was on the very first season, of course. And it's an entirely different animal than it was back when they were learning what they were doing in season one. But I do think, I mean, you had the entire judges save you right near the end there. Yeah. That, that's undeniably the talent was there. They, they had faith in you the entire time. And I remember it being a little controversial at the time when you were eliminated. Um, I think there was things with Clay Aiken, but you yourself said, hey, my voice just wasn't there. You were having more vocal problems, right? You were yeah. not, it's an exhausting experience. And, so and I can imagine. It was, and I don't know what happened, but I was sick the majority of the live shows. Um, coming up to most of the shows, I before coming to get ready, I was in my in my hotel room throwing up, um, having issues with who the heck knows what. Um, they couldn't find anything wrong with me. I had vocal swelling. All kinds of things were just not good, and um, you know the vocal coaches that we sing for and everything, they're like, your technique and everything is fine. This is clearly just something else going on. So I got sick. My live performances, um, I will admit, were not very good to my standards. And um, I think in the long run, I would have gotten eliminated at that point anyway, because if you look at the elimination order of the way things went, it was me, the immigrant, and the black homeless boy. We all went home in a group. Right after that, the lesbian was, was you know, taken out. And then it was just, and then it was all straight white people. Right. You, know, I think, you can't deny that part of it. I think and there was talk at the time that it was very uh, kind of homophobic and different types of eliminations like that. And yeah. I just think you can't deny it. Like you said, we're in 2017, 18. Trump's been around for a while. The country's gone to hell mm -hmm. i just show out of northeast ohio i see trump flags every 10 feet when yeah. it's election time it's scary as hell so i i think you're right i think you can't you can't deny that yeah and be, because of i knew the political climate we were in and the audience that american idol has i wasn't expecting to win i right. knew that i just needed to be in their faces <laughs> and that's what i did <laughs> 
Well, even, I mean, one of your elimination group, I mean, Effie Passaro has gone on to such great things. I just saw her the other day with uh, Postmodern Jukebox, and she was eliminated very early on, and who knows what that was about, because her voice is fantastic, too. We know, we know some like, things on that from the inside, but, you know. Well, uh, <laughs> we're to the offer card when we're done here, and we're having a state of But let's finish up uh, on a high note, American Idol. I mean... To be able to sing with Leah Michelle and um, Patty, oh my goodness gracious. Talk about the duets and what that was like. What was the very first one with Leah like? I mean, she's a controversial figure in and of herself. I'm actually having um, Jenna Ushkowitz on next week from <laughs> Lee. But talk about the first experience doing a duet with someone like Leah Stature and then with Patty. Yeah, so oh. Leah was wonderful. Um, here's the thing. We don't get to spend a whole bunch of time with these people, um, especially like with, I got to spend a good few hours just kind of hanging with Patty, but with Leah, um, we didn't get much time. We showed up to do one run through before we did on stage rehearsals. So we just me, her and a pianist. She showed up late. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> but she showed up. She sang, we split up our parts and we went our separate ways. Uh, later on, we did our stage rehearsals. We got together there. She um, had nothing but wonderful things to say about me. And I really appreciated that because it all felt genuine and real. Um, and we ran through really quickly. We were done. She had nothing but great things to say. She treated me well. She was kind. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about her. She sang pretty. She was kind. And um, then we went our separate ways. And and that was it. I thanked her later on in an Instagram DM uh, after our performance aired. And I told her thank you, that it was a pleasure working with her. And she actually read it and responded. And um, so that that's really all there is to the interaction I had with Leah. None of it was bad. Every Everything was what you could have wanted it to be. Now with Patty... I love me a good diva. <laughs> um, Patty was, uh, from what I was informed of and, and everything gone on in the selection process for the duets, Patty was immediately drawn to me. And I was just flabbergasted when they gave me the call and said that I would be singing with Patty. I said, are you sure? <laughs> and they're like, Patty wanted you. So I said, okay, then that works for me. Um, when I met Patty, she says, I just knew I had to sing with you. As soon as I heard you and saw you, I knew you were one of my girls. Um, so she was, she was absolutely wonderful and kind as well. Patty and I, now we just vibe. We just vibe. <laughs> we had a great time. Uh, our initial rehearsals went well. Um, when we did just me, her, and the, and the pianist getting things together. When it came time to rehearse on stage, Patty and I had a little time to kiki. And <laughs> we were sitting back there waiting and judging everyone. It was, um, <laughs> it was me, Patty, and Yolanda Adams. And we were just there hanging out backstage, chit-chatting, kiki and They were talking about how wonderful I was, so I was living. Um, <laughs> Um, it, it was wonderful Patty was like I don't know what this racist nonsense is going on like how are you not still here sounding like you do and they're still here blah 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 um, and I loved that so much I love her she's real she's honest she told me a couple tales about Aretha and their relationship so that was 
<laughs> if anyone knows anything about how that goes, you have an idea of how that might've gone with that conversation, but it was absolutely wonderful. Patty is, um, my, you know, she's now my adopted fairy godmother. So she's wonderful and I love her. And I really hope that I get to share the stage with her again. Uh, she's just one of those living legends that it meant so much to have her say nothing but wonderful things about me. Um, it was surreal. So someone that I'd been looking up to and I was just like, well, you know, you're Patty LaBelle, right? <laughs> and you, you, you know what her response was to that type of thing? She says, of course I know. She said that after a certain amount of time, there's no denying who you are, you know? And she said, there's no point in denying that she is the Patty LaBelle. And so, <laughs> now, this is before we had patty cakes or patty whatever. Did she cook for you at all? <laughs> she... uh, we didn't have that much time, but I am going to hit her up next time I'm in her area and get on by for some homemade patty pie. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my goodness. That's so great. And I think that shows the true um, professionalism and power you have to be able to do that with very short rehearsal with Michelle. It shows how good both of you are vocally to be able to make that mesh so well together. Even though you had more time with Patty, it just takes two real professionals to be able to get that kind of sound down together. You were amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I loved it. Well, that's all I want to do on Idol. Like I said, I think it was a great experience, a great stepping stone for you. You've used it to such great advantage. And like I said, I did hear about you going back and coaching a lot of the players. So that's got to be kind of nice to have that little, um, the confidence that they had in you to kind of let you help other people along. What's probably the best advice you have for, in general, someone going into one of these competitions, be it from their small town in Idaho to actually making it through to Hollywood week? And there's pieces of advice I give to two different types of people. One is the types of people who are genuinely talented. And I say uh, to them, I say, just go in making sure that you leave with no regrets. Sing the songs that feel good to you. You know, don't leave anything behind. Don't say, oh, I should have gone for this note. No, just go for it. You know, if there's something that you think is going to separate you from the rest of the pack, just make sure you do it. Don't leave any regrets. Because the last thing you want is to get eliminated and say, I could have done more. And that's my thing to all of those people. To the other group of people, the delusional folk, I say, <laughs> don't. Uh, I have had those people reach out to me, ask me for advice, ask me for coaching, ask me for all those types of things. And I always say, before you send me anything, just know the type of advice that I offer. I do not sugarcoat. I have been in this business now going on 20 years professionally. I have been a vocal coach for many years. I am a classically trained instrumentalist. I have, you know, sung professionally many years. I've coached people who have won shows like The Voice and American Idol and America's Got Talent. Uh, people, I have finalists in the top 10 that I've coached every single year in all of these shows. And I, um, I'm like, if you want real advice, go ahead and send me a singing video. If you don't, don't send me nothing. Right. <laughs> and then I, because I, yes, I will tell them you are not a singer. 
And it's not me saying, give up on your dream. You're horrible. You suck. Unless it's true. But the <laughs> when they come to me, and I, I'll say, unfortunately, I just don't think singing is a proper career path for you. It's just, and I use this a lot when I talk to people who come to me for coaching and say, can you help me audition for American Idol? And then they send me an assessment video and I say, I cannot help you audition for American Idol, but I can help you get better at karaoke. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and I'm not going to give people false hope. And the truth of the matter is some people are singers. Some people are not. And there's a difference between someone who sings karaoke and someone who can sing on American Idol. And I am brutally honest with those people. I give real advice. I truthfully invest my emotional self into their well-being and making sure that they are the best versions of themselves going into this. So if you know anybody that needs coaching, come on over. <laughs> That's what you, need. I mean, you need to have honest advice for this. I mean, you got to build up your thick skin soon. Mm -hmm. And I want to go into Queen of the Universe in a second, but I heard you say something somewhere um, that that I think is also great advice, that you have to know what your power is on these shows. You actually have more power than you think when you're going into a reality show. What kind of advice do you have for that? And then we'll kind of transfer into Queens of the Universe. Did you know that before going into Queen of the Universe, or did you learn it after going through two of these? Uh, so I, after my first time doing Idol, I realized that we are essentially pieces on their chessboard. And some of us have a little extra pull because of the part that we play. When I was on as Adam, when you look at a chessboard, I think I was kind of more like a pawn. They could they could take me as far as they wanted, but I was really just kind of a not important piece. You know, I was just like if I did well, I did well. If I didn't, they could discard me. But going in as Ada, I confidently think I was a king or a queen to their production. Because I was um, a piece of individuality. I had power in their ratings. I had power in their, um, their message boards and chat boards and the online communities that would be talking about the show. I knew that I had an integral part to play in the storytelling of my season. And that is something really important. You have to know what your role is because we are all cast. It is not just you sing pretty, come on the show. We are all being casted for a part in these. And don't ever forget, they cannot have a show without you. So you don't exercise your power in a way that says, I am the diva. I'll be ready when I'm ready. Not, don't do that. <laughs> but, but know that none of us are worthless in their game. Sometimes we just have to take a moment to realize what our placement is on the board. And once we realize that, we need to take it, we need to run with it, and um, not lose the idea that we are not powerless. Great advice. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. So let's kind of delve into the queen of the universe for a little bit. I mean, you've gone now from twice on reality shows that do all kinds of voices, and but now you're in your space, right? You're, this is uh, you. This is with fellow queens. This is with fellow real singers. We're not talking lip syncers or anything. Mm -hmm. And you are there for this. Talk about that experience. What made it a better experience? And what was same old, same old? So the one thing that I um, tell everyone was so different for me. Uh, one, I thought it was a lot easier. But 
two, I didn't ever feel like I had to cater to a certain audience. Um, as I mentioned, I knew the part that I was playing when I was on Idol. And that was to be, I, I was essentially their teaser or their experiment in a way to see how America would react to someone like me. Because I'm pretty easy to digest visually in terms of drag as far as drag artists goes some bitches look crazy <laughs> and i i think i was a safe pick for them because my uh, image is pretty easy to digest in the general um realm of drag and i was i'm very talented and that was something that people could resonate with regardless of what i looked like on queen of the universe i didn't have to worry about making sure that i looked um how they wanted me to look you know when you're on american idol uh when you make it to a certain point you don't have the luxury of dressing yourself you don't get to do your own makeup you don't get to do your own hair they have their entire unionized team take over on queen of the universe i got to take everything i wanted i got to do my own makeup i got to put pop everything on my head i got to you know all of that type of stuff i got to present me on Idol, I couldn't have shown up wearing these big ball gowns and all this stuff because that's just too much for them. You know, on Queen of the Universe, I can do it, feel like I'm representing me. And in the grand scheme of things, it don't look that crazy. <laughs> you know, and I, I showed up feeling beautiful, feeling um, like I showcased myself vocally well. And I'm very proud of my time on there. And I had so long to get ready. <laughs> it was, you think drag race they said oh we have an hour and a half two hours to get in full drag like this and this and this it's crazy it's a rush and they have you doing all of this and this honey on queen of the universe some days i had four or five hours and it takes me half an hour to get in makeup so <laughs> I, I like today i literally was on live and did a 15 minute face so and i was like okay here we go you, you just do it for so long and so often you get good at it some of us some people don't get good at it and some people still take too damn long <laughs> but um i would finish early i would relax i'd settle into my environment i would help the other girls with their makeup i would help the other girls that had holes in their costumes i had time so you know what i'd grab my little needle and i'd sew up the little holes in their costumes on their seams i'd um one girl's taking a little while with her makeup i'd go through and i'd help her brush her wig that she said she needed to have brushed before she had to get ready um i'd help the girls that were having troubles with their eyelashes because a couple of the girls had were not great or very experienced in drag themselves because they always had teams they always had help you know things like that so um they were like oh my gosh i want to not look a mess can somebody help me um with this one little thing and i said okay i'm ready three hours before i have to be ready let me help you <laughs> you know and i loved that i loved that entire sense of being there with people that i loved and admired like Grad Queen and I had been friends since before the um since before the show. We had been friends already on TikTok. And it's it's so funny how everything worked out with that. But um Aria Cassadine is someone who I had so greatly admired. And just like in the pageant world, as a pageant girl, um, she's one of those people who I look at and I've always thought she is perfection. She is excellence and she sings and I love her. And um, I was like flabbergasted meeting her. Half of the cast 
when they met me were crying meeting me because I had already been on Idol and from around the world they were like you made such an impact like they're like um like Wu Wu from from China she was like I can't believe I'm meeting you I you you we love you all the way in China you change people's minds and lives um and people like Ronnie Kohler in India she was so kind to me and she said you changed people's minds. You inspired me. Regina Boche from, Mex- from Mexico. She, she, to- she was nearly crying when she met me and was telling me about how much she loved me and I inspired her and impacted her and her, her career and just the representation that I did for them on Idol. And for me, I never expected to get that kind of love and appreciation from people who I was working alongside. You know, to me, that meant more than anything. Hearing it from your colleagues, people who become your true friends, um, it, that meant so much to me. And being in that environment as a whole was just absolutely beautiful. And I will forever cherish that experience and those girls. It's amazing. I love hearing that. I'm surprised about the makeup. You look absolutely gorgeous. And I see these queens <laughs> putting on layer after layer. It's like my hand would get tired after about the... <laughs> Or powder I'm applying or something. I don't understand how you could do that. So good on you for that. I want to say, let's kind of go back there. I mean, we went idol, your your trend setting, your your breaking boundaries, going through Ada. And there was some hate mail and there were some things and not a lot of good experiences, even though there was a lot of positive experiences. Now you're on uh, Queen of the Universe and the experience is 99% positive going through all this. Yeah. And good. Now we're living in Trump 2.0 drag world again, where we're having drag attacked and uh, just so many silly things. And like I said, you're a safe drag queen. I don't think there's any such thing as a safe drag There's some outlandish costumes. We know that. (laughs) But we know that there's no drag queen going after little kids. That's just a falsehood and stupid. Not any I know, honey. All the ones I know say, fuck them kids, leave them at home. (laughs) There you go. Talk about how that is mentally to keep going on that ping pong ball from not being accepted to accepted to now acceptance is harder again. How do you keep your head on straight with all of that negativity and positivity ping pong back and forth? It kind of goes back to the way I mentioned being part of a chessboard and knowing my place and my role. Um, I know who I am as an entertainer and I know what I present like, I know what I offer to the world. And in this world game of chess, I still feel like I'm a king or a queen. And it's because I feel like I am capable of leading the charge to a place that can help us as a community get to victory. I know that the form of drag that I do, the form of art that I present, the voice that I use and that I um, offer is something that sets me apart from many other artists. And I don't think any of us as a community are fighting to say, all drag is good, all drag is wonderful and for everyone. That's not true. There's not any art form that is for everybody in every aspect. You know, you can't um, go go to certain museums because they're not appropriate for children. <laughs> you know, all into a drag in a bag bar. We know that, right? Oh, <laughs> so th- there's every aspect that not every aspect of in any art form is going to be acceptable or loved by everyone. 
But what I, the charge I'm leading in my position in this world is that what I do is not bad. And what people like me do is not bad. Sometimes people like me just get up, put on a dress and sing a song. And there is nothing inherently bad about that. I am, I'm not tired of it because it's going to happen regardless. And they don't have that power over me to exhaust me. But, <laughs> but it is tiresome to deal with people saying, you're disgusting, you're a groomer. I can't believe you present this in front of children and blah, 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 blah. And I said, go through my page, look me up online, find something that is not appropriate. And that's, and that's what I tell people. And it always ends up coming back as well. You might not be guilty of this, but other people are. I said that go to their pages. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's what it ends up coming down to. I fight with people all the time. I give them the time of day because it's good for my numbers on social media. All those comments, all those likes and hate reactions, whatever it may be. I add fuel to the fire and I say, Oh no, what, what did I do wrong? Oh my goodness. I'm a groomer. You're crazy. And then they keep responding. They keep coming back. They keep responding, keep coming back. And I say, go ahead. Just keep letting everyone know who you are, what, what you are. And then I, they get really scared. Um, cause a lot of them are fake profiles, but they get real scared when it's a real profile and I pull up their work information. I pull up pictures of them with their families. I pull up their screenshots of their family's profiles that are linked on Facebook and everything. And I said, would you like me to inform your family where you have this gay nephew who you were just in a picture with not too long ago? Would you like me to inform your employer of your views on these types of things? Um, and all of a sudden they disappear. They block they vanish because they're they don't have the confidence or the gall to say those types of things anywhere but behind a keyboard um and they don't even act on it like with their own people that they actually interact with they'll never say anything to them because they're cowards and those cowards are great for my algorithm and I do have the information for all their workplaces it's not hard to find when you put everything on facebook <laughs> <laughs> so if you're going to be a troll watch yourself because i can get you and i will <laughs> i'm the facebook I fbi <laughs> i always say that i always say rats don't like the sunlight they always scamper into the dark whenever you whenever you see one yeah into the dark so that's such a great attitude to have and you talk about your social media we're going to take a quick break here because i did put together some clips you do have an amazing tiktok page um, it just shows so much of your vocal range. You've done some collabs with people. Michael Orland, who I've had on the show before, did Love a great him. kind of a, a stitch with him, which is fun. Um, but there's someone showing your range. It's incredible. We're going to play that, and then we're going to come back and talk about it on the other side because you have so many amazing things happening for you, Ada. My special guest today is Ada Vox, uh, calling in from the West Coast. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. We'll be back on the other side. Enjoy. People say what we do is dangerous. People say that what we do is harmful. They're calling us groomers and whatever else they can think of just to make us seem like a danger to society, to make us seem harmful to the world. But 
the truth is we are artists. We are entertainers. We are bringing light into the lives of others, into our own lives, and sharing everything that we can to make the world a better place. So it's really, really crazy to me that... Imagine John Lennon. guys we are back that was my special guest today ada vox if you're not following her on tiktok and all of her social you are missing out there's such talent there a lot of fun little fun things to say as well um we know social media is a necessary part of the game now 
Um, do you enjoy doing it now when you can kind of, we talked earlier before when we played the clips about trolling? I mean, it's just a tough medium. What are your thoughts on that? Kind of having to keep yourself out there. I hate the constant pressure of feeling like I have to constantly come up with content. Um, it's, it's so strange to me and it's just something that I've never really been able to be good at. Maybe I'm too old for it. I don't know. Uh, but they, these, these kids are creative and doing these fancy, fabulous reels with editing and transformation videos and all kinds of stuff. And, um, my brain just doesn't work that way. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, uh, for me, I'm like, let me take a selfie. And, you know, and post that, tell me I'm pretty. Uh, but unfortunately, those things just don't work on social media these days. Um, it, it used to be selfies and, you know, be pretty and you get lots of likes and people would love you. But um, nowadays, that's just not what happens, unfortunately. And um, I post a selfie. I have over 100,000 followers on Instagram, say, for instance, and I'll post a selfie and I'll get 100 likes. It makes no sense. The the figuring out the algorithms and everything that's going on um, with drag right now, a lot of um, issue going on is that the trolls and the haters that are against what we do will go through reporting our pages. And then because of that, our pages end up shadow banned. And that makes it impossible for us to have our stuff seen. Um, so I'll post a reel that will, you know, a minute long reel that is great and it'll get a hundred views, you know, with a hundred, with over a hundred thousand followers. Um, so it's frustrating to even want to try to do something when you know it's not going to be noticed or seen. Um, it makes it especially difficult to promote appearances and whatnot as an official, like verified page. They want you to pay for uh, advertisement. They want you to pay for placement. And um, anytime they notice anything that seems like it's an ad of any sort, it gets suppressed in the algorithm to try and force you to pay to promote it. Um, I posted a show flyer advertising something new that I got going on. It got like 50 likes and was seen by less than 100 or 200 people. And... <laughs> That, that's just how that goes. But I post a TikTok doing a little transformation or something like a 30 second thing on uh, Instagram and it gets 20,000 views and, you know, thousands of likes and all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden it's getting pushed in the algorithm. <laughs> Such a crazy thing. And like I said, it's a lot of work to begin with. And who has the time to begin with? I mean, and especially when you're kind of like a nobody like me, I've been doing this eight years. So I've had, I've, I've grown a great following on the list because the first five years was all audio only. So I still have a great following on the iTunes and Spotify. But then you know, for YouTube, I can sometimes get 50 people to watch a video on there. You never know what's going on. So it just, and you're, and you're working just as hard as you were before. I would love to go back to audio only, but all the cool kids are doing video now. And if you don't have at least some video presence, it's like, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy world. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let's move on to things you have going now. You're getting ready to do uh, this Vegas thing. I want to talk about that, but let's talk about your performances in general. You do such great songs, a lot of covers, but you do original songs too, right? What Sometimes. is your style? How does it inspire? How do you get inspired to, to write? Do you try to write often? Do you wait till the inspiration hits? 
how does your own music come to you? It's interesting. I uh, actually, out of all the songs I have released, which is only like five, I think two of them are songs I've written. One of which is a song that I wrote when I was about 15, 16. And um, that one is Burn, which is, of course, available online. And I was provided a track by a producer friend back home in San Antonio. And he said, do you like this one? I'd like you to do something with it. And I said, I sat there in the studio with him. And he played it a couple times. In about five, ten minutes, I had a full song written. Um, and that style is more... It's definitely on the soul side. Um, but the thing with me is I can write to any track. I've never experienced something that I, as a genre that I can't write to. Um, it's more so I can't write to every track because not everyone resonates with me. But there is something in every genre where I'm like, if the beat's right, if the chord progression's right, I can make something work. I've written tracks in, uh, to house tracks. I've written music to house tracks. I've written music to soul tracks, R&B, to pop, to rap. I've written, I've written raps, um, which if you've been through my TikTok, you've probably seen some of those. And um, I literally write everything. I just like to do it. <laughs> I just haven't had the opportunity to release much of my own original music. Which is unfortunate, but uh, anybody in this business knows it's not cheap. And um, the other problem with things like that social media lines up with is that it's not easy to get your stuff heard either. I have multiple songs released in the last month. I have under a thousand streams on all of them collectively. And again, over 100,000 followers on just Instagram, 120,000 on TikTok, 40,000 plus on Facebook, uh, you know, all these hundreds of thousands all over and nobody's listening. I don't know if it's because I'm not putting out the right things or is the algorithm fucking me that hard? (laughs) Um, Also, you got to think of the time suck involved. I mean, I can understand you writing anything you want because you have that kind of voice. I mean, the difference between you booking a gig and going out and singing for a night and then having to play it 20,000 times on Spotify to make half the money you're making. I mean, you got to think of the time suck. I would imagine. I literally, in order to make half the money I make at a gig, I'd have to get maybe a million plays on one song. Right. And that's how, that's how little these streaming things pay. And people don't understand this is, a fraction of a cent, a fraction of a fraction of a cent. <laughs> it's some of these places pay 0.0001 cents per stream. And people don't understand how insane that is for us. And the in the long run, I'm like, I know what I want to do, but is it financially plausible to pay $4,000 to have one song done? And then, makes 40 cents (laughs) i totally understand that let's go i tease it in your intro and i want to talk about vegas a little bit um you're doing a fantastic so i remember talking about the queen i do a weekly entertainment news show i remember when the queen was opening and it got flooded out for a couple days but uh 
it's amazing to have an LGBTQ resort on the strip. They're not having overnight guests yet, but they're having the food and the entertainment venue. How did you hook up with the queen and talk about Ada Vox and the Vixen? Yeah. So I was very grateful to have been um, acquainted with the owner previously. Uh, he was the previous owner of a place called Star Lounge, which is where, which is where I first met him, which is kind of like an upscale piano lounge situation. Um, when I first moved to Vegas, one of my friends invited me out there to meet him and to go sing and just kind of feel things out. Uh, that was wonderful. Uh, I then found out that he was also or is also um, owner of The Garden which uh, people who know Vegas know of. It's a very popular, you know, gay, gay destination. Um, and he's also the person who opened up the queen. So I had just, you know, maintained good relationships by being a good person. <laughs> and that, and I'm very lucky to not have to try hard in that department. I don't have to be nice to people's faces because I treat them differently, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes. I don't do that. I don't play that fake game. If I don't like you, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna know <laughs> so um you know i he and i just have had a good acquaintanceship and working relationship and um i messaged him and said hey i saw you got this little thing you know going on uh i want to sing and his whole spiel with it uh the spiel was that it is a more upscale type of situation where they want to cater to a different crowd than just a nightclub gay crowd. Um, and I said, that sounds like something that I would really like to do. Cause that's always kind of more what I lean towards. When you think of me, you don't think of a nightclub. I don't, you know, I don't think, um, you, you don't think the bar, you know, whatever you think of me standing on a stage and singing diva ballads. And, um, I think that fit into the mold of what he was pitching. So I said, let me do something and let me get something together. If you don't mind, you know, can I pitch a show to you? And I did. And, um, it's essentially a new location revamp of something that I was doing in Texas, uh, where I had Miss Vox and the Vixens, which originally started in San Antonio and Austin. And then, um, we moved here and I said, what if we did a Vegas chapter and, you know, figured things out? Um, we have our debut October the 2nd. Uh, I don't know. Will that have passed at this point? I don't know. It'll pass <laughs> by the time we play this. Yeah, it'll, it'll pass by the time we play this. Yeah, so it, we debut October 2nd, and it's going to be a weekly show um, every Monday night, 10 p.m. And um, the premise of what I do is that it's a variety showcase. It's not a drag show. It's not just a bunch of queens lip syncing and walk me down, down. It's it's not that, you know. It this is um like our cast for my very first one. I want to incorporate the classics of drag, of course, um, by having and celebrating queer artists and drag artists. Like I have Alize Brooks, who is a pageant girl, very Texas drag, Las Vegas showgirl, even. Um, she does the feathers and the rhinestones and the the back pieces and you know all the head pieces. And for me, that's my offering to classic drag because pe people know what they come to see at a gay club. Still going to give them some of that. And Alize is a wonderful lip sync diva, pageant girl, and showgirl. Um, I have another drag artist. She's going to hate me if I don't say her name right. She's brand new to Vegas. Um, her name's 
Miss Uchiwe, Uchiwe. I- I'll figure that out later. Sorry, I love you. <laughs> but um, she is a magician and a hypnotist. And, you know, that's something totally different. And then I also have um, an, a woman who she's just a natural born woman. She is um, a vocalist. She's an Emmy award winning vocalist, model, um, you know, singer, and she's going to be there singing in the show. I have um, another music artist who's a friend of mine that goes by the drag name of Busy Monroe. And she is a Grammy nominated vocalist who's gone drag artist. So we have a pretty powerhouse cast um, of people bringing undeniable things to the stage and that's what i am aiming for i've been telling people when they say well what is the vibe i say we are looking at the audience who wants something to do on a monday night that isn't a nightclub um where they want to be kind of they want to relax in a lounge have them a drink and when i say a drink i use the example of an old-fashioned Cause it's just, it feels it's that's, that's the vibe. We want those types of people who will sit back and enjoy a showcase. Um, and that's what I'm going for. A more upscale feel of a showcase, not a drag show, um, where we can do our diva ballads and open our arms with feathers and say, whatever, whatever people do, uh, <laughs> and, and just going to embrace and offer an elevated level. We're not doing leotards and and you know kicks and splits this isn't that type of show <laughs> i love it i can't wait to see it i want to be sitting there with my manhattan slowly <laughs> sipping it down and enjoying every second of it let's finish on i mean you've done pageants before we're missing city usa um talk about that is it is it still fun to do the pageants how much work are, follows it up. I mean, you said you're going to use part of it to work with your charity you have back in Texas and everything. That's exciting. Um, but talk about this uh, new title. How, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, I am the newly crowned Miss Gayson City America. And I am a pageant girl from when I started doing drag. I won my first pageant probably some something like less than a year into doing drag I became uh, Miss Corpus Christi USA at large um and I went on from there to become Miss Corpus Christi sweetheart Miss Montrose USA at large Miss Windy City North America Supreme um now Miss Gayson City America also Miss Bosu Continental Plus and there's I feel like I'm forgetting something. I don't remember. But, <laughs> but I'm I, plenty. We have a sash just holding your sashes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but I you know, it's it's not something that I'm new to. Um I love competition, as you can tell by everything I've done. <laughs> and doing drag the way that I've done it up to this point has made pageants a little easier because I have a closet full of pageant things. Nice. Y- you know? So um, and I do solo talents. I just stand there and I sing. I don't worry about anything else. Uh, I'm not worried about hiring dancers or anything crazy like that. Um, some girls will spend 10 grand plus on just their talent productions 
because mm-hmm. because they have to hire the dancers they have to get the choreography paid for and done they have to travel the dancers to the pageant um they have to pay for their room and board their meals you know whatever it may be me i said give me a dress and a mic stand yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and that's that's what does it for me and um my goal is not I can't leave without this title. Oh my God, I need this title. It'll change my life. Honey, I have a career. Um, I, I, like, I've been singing professionally for 20 years. And <laughs> my thing with doing pageantry is that it allows me an opportunity to be amongst people who are also competing to appear as and to be the best of the best, which makes me feel like I am in a place where I can grow and I can learn. Um, as we covered earlier, there should never be a time where you don't feel like you can grow and learn at that point. You're, you're missing something, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I do this as, um, one to grow and learn for myself. I love the experience. I love competition. It drives me to improve. And two, I think that I, as an individual, um, am a great asset to these systems with my decades of experience in the entertainment industry outside of just drag. I've been doing this a very long time and have been in this much deeper than most drag artists themselves will ever realize. Um, Cause you know, working the nightclub scene is not the same as working in the music industry for this long. So <laughs> it's a different monster and I am very willing, very able and very capable of lending my performance prowess along with my experience in the industry and um, my passion for what I do to the stage of these pageants. And if they deem me worthy to reign um, and I should take home the title and the, and the crown, they will be grateful <laughs> because I am prepared to be a symbol of excellence as I, I don't feel like I need to change much of what I do. Um, I think I already live my life as a symbol of excellence in the, in the community as an entertainer and as a drag artist, whatever they want to say. Um, and I'm just here to lend that experience and exposure with my platform to whoever is wanting to see it as a positive thing for themselves and for me as a way to constantly up my game and learn from those around me. Fantastic. I'm so amazed by you. Um, Adam Sanders, thanks for letting Ada Vox come out and play for an hour. This, this has been a lot of fun, Ada. I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thank you. It's so wonderful. I love to talk, and I'm sure you got that. You got a lot of editing to do, baby. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're invited back anytime. We'll do a regular segment. We'll have a, if you, if your if your own podcast isn't too time consuming, we'll have the Vox Talk segment on the Left of Straight Show. Let everyone know if they've been living under a shell. You have an amazing website. Give your website address and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, adavoxofficial.com. I'm pretty sure that's it. <laughs> on social media, you can find me just at adavox anywhere and everywhere. Um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, threads, Facebook, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. You know, it's all just adavox. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Well, Ada, stay on the line for me. As I said, absolute pleasure. Please come back anytime. We have something going I'm going to see you in Vegas in a couple months. I'm trying to get out to Palm Springs Pride, so I'll probably drive through Vegas on the way there. All works out as planned here. Then I'll see you soon. There you go. (laughs) You got it.
Stay line for me, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to another great episode of Left to Straight Show. Thank you so much to our special guest, Ms. Ada Vox, has been our guest for the last hour. We'll see you next time, and uh, be sure to subscribe. Listen to the Left to Straight Radio Network. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.